This podcast may contain inaccurate information, bad language, and spoilers. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony R. It's time for Agony R. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony R. Well, Agony R is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony R a call. Welcome to Agony Art, a regular podcast in which three consumers of books, music and films try to solve your problems using examples from the great art of our age. Or, more likely, just leave you with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name is Aaron. I'm an author who spends hardly any time writing. And I've got Liam, our musician who can't even be asked to write our jingle, and Carl, our film expert who had to throw away half his DVD collection at his wife's orders. Actually, all of it. All of it? All of it now, yeah. Is that part of the clean-up? That was way before the clean-up. How are you watching films now? Um, media. <laughs> media? <laughs> well, that explains Streaming it. Streaming and stuff. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry, Carl. Condolences. Anyway, I've got those two people here with me in our lovely studio. Say hello, lads. Hello. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say hello, Liam? I said oh. hi, and Carl kind of drowned me out a little bit. <laughs> that, is, that sums up our relationship, doesn't it? Uh, I think we've got something very important to talk about today in our little chat section. I've been listening to the first two episodes while I've been doing our first initial rough edits, and our anonymous naming system has turned out to be a bit shit. Quite often we forget the names. So I think we need a new system. So I want ideas from you lads. I want you to start contributing a bit. <laughs> well, I, I had an idea that it might be fun to name them after famous fictional characters. Um, but there's a lot of how do we come up with that? Will just be the same because when I say uh, she's called uh, Penny, it will just be like oh he's called uh, Pip. So how would that help, Liam? Um, well, what's the problem we're trying to solve? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's not a bad idea, Liam. I think the alternative is uh, don't make up names, isn't it, really? And just... Uh, Call people out. We wanna <laughs> tell everyone where they live. <laughs> we want to keep people anonymous, I think. So I think just not call them a name, as in like always refer to everyone as friend or listener or amigo. I think we'll go with Liam's idea for now. Just for this episode, we'll try come up with a, um, a fictional character that we liked. And then... Um, just sack Liam if it's a bad idea. Good idea. It's his major contribution so far. You could do a lot better than me, to be honest. <laughs> Great. So, before we begin, I've got to point out that none of us are experienced counsellors and we can't promise our advice will be any good. In fact, it probably won't. Biggest problem we've had to solve this week was how we name our submissions. So, we're really just here to have fun. So, if you're having a really hard time, I'd recommend going to our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com so now we've got that out of the way let's get on with it our first problem of the day is i've realized that i don't like my friends anymore we used to be close and see each other all the time but now i don't even look forward to seeing them once or twice a month i can't even let our friendships fade away because i don't have any other friendship groups to turn to what can i do 
Is this from you? Yeah. <laughs> you can't write into your own podcast, Aaron. <laughs> I'm sick of the friends I do my podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Have you, um, either of you ever experienced this? Friendships drifting and you really can't even be asked to keep them from drifting. I think we all, everyone has like year seven friends that... You just don't want to take to year eight. No, exactly. Like When you're in year 10, you're like, oh my God, I was friends with that guy. Unfortunately, Liam's clung on to me since primary <laughs> school. <laughs> but we, Aaron, we were real good friends in like year eight, I think. And then drifted apart. And then we're really yeah, good we friends did. again in sixth form, weren't we? So Are you saying you allowed us to drift apart for those years and you wish that we hadn't drifted back? And then I together. reeled you back. Oh. <laughs> no, actually, no. Yeah, you just drifted back. And I was like, all right, then fine. Oh, but, fuck. It's back. <laughs> no, but I think, yeah. So then it was, well, I don't think anyone saw it as a problem. It was just natural. But Yeah, the problem is, I think most people have other friendship groups, don't they? So when you drift apart from someone, you think, someone who you're not that close to and you're not bothered about being close to you think it doesn't matter that much because I've got other friends that I can spend time with but if they're your only friendship group and you're thinking I don't really want to be close to you anymore but I've got no other choice that's a hard pickle to be in isn't it that's the kind of situation where you might write into an agony on podcast that's true yeah have <laughs> so, you have you felt that you are the person being let go at all me yeah, well, nobody lets me go Carl <laughs> So we, we got a name person. There was an awkward silence after that. <laughs> that Both yeah. of you were like, oh God, we've been trying to let him go. <laughs> and we know people have. Um, yeah, so we've got to think of a name. Uh, you know who feels people drifting away from him and he really doesn't want it to happen? Woody. Oh yeah, Woody. Letting go is a main theme of Toy Story 3. Yeah. Uh, 2010. I said I was going to get all of the director's names right and I've, this one's going to be fucked up. Lee Unkrick. I'm not sure it says that. Anyway. Um, is it purely your writing? That- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should use a tablet like Aaron does. But um, anyway, Toy Story 3, 3, in 2010. How old were we then? 22? Yeah. 21, yeah. 21, 22. That really, that was, I think it was made for our generation because that was... Your childhood is over. <laughs> yeah. Andy and has to... we'd grown up with Toy Story as well. Exactly. So. It was brutal. I really felt, I don't know if you remember, but they're in like a furnace, like oh, about yeah. to be melted. That's the bit where I cried. You, me too. And I was, I thought that they were going to kill them off. It goes on for so <laughs> long and they hold hands and yeah, it's like, this yeah. is it. I That's thought... the bit. It's <laughs> yeah. the bit where they all hold hands. I was like, <laughs> they're, they're ready for death. Yeah. So that, so that really got me. Um, and what, in the end, obviously they don't die, and I'm not going to go into the plot. Spoilers. Because I don't think we need to. Sorry, <laughs> but um, yeah, they don't all get melted into and made into like recyclable plastic cups. But <laughs> in the end, like they spend the film with a new girl, Bonnie, don't they? Like they get they end up at Bonnie's house, and Andy has to let go of his toys and give them to Bonnie. And it's a good message for you know maybe letting go is good, like letting go of the past, moving on to something new. Um, that's what it tries to teach us. And we all let go of Toy Story and then they made Toy Story 4. <laughs> but he, um, um, What did you think of Toy Story 4? I liked it, actually. It's a kind of standalone. I like that they didn't really continue the, the theme. It was all right. Aaron doesn't like it. I don't like Toy Story 4. <laughs> no? I don't think it was necessary. We didn't need to have it. Uh, yeah, that's my problem. I don't think we need a Toy Story 4. 
Do you reckon there'll be a Toy Story 5? Have they announced any plans? I reckon they'll effect? Be. I don't think they 100%, have. 100%. Yeah, probably I think will. they're going to milk it, aren't they? Mm. But um, Forky was... The funny thing is, with Forky, he was made out of rubbish, wasn't he? That's the big thing. And they were selling a Forky doll for 40 quid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, yeah, and the other thing was, uh, it just didn't feel like a Toy Story to me. And I'm fine with the fact that uh, it's kind of a departure from the series, story-wise, and the fact that, spoiler alert, Woody departs, but it just didn't feel like a Toy Story film. It this, didn't feel pleasurable. But, but that's because our experience of Toy Story ended in 2010. It's not for us anymore. Yeah. It's for new kids. And this is the same for like Star Wars... I used to like I watched Star Wars every Sunday, all three films every week when I was a kid, and I'm not connected to new films at all. But they're not for me. That's why I think yeah. I'm not meant to love it. My little boy's meant to well, love it. While we're on the subject of of Woody departing from his friends, I've I've actually got quite a relevant song. Well, it seems relevant. It's not. It's actually not relevant. <laughs> Spoiler alert. God. Here's <laughs> Liam. Welcome back, Liam. <laughs> he started already. So in in 1977. Uh, there was a band called Fleetwood Mac, who you may have heard of. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, they released a very, very good album in 1977 called Rumours. And one of the songs on it is called You Can Go Your Own Way. Go your own way. And, <laughs> thanks, Carl. <laughs> and, and I've always thought that it, was, it comes across as like a, a song about self-expression. You know, you can do your own thing. You can do what you want. It's not about that at all. Um, it's actually about the end of a relationship between two people in the band, Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. It's written by Lindsay Buckingham. Stevie Nicks wrote another song on the album called Dreams, um, which you probably know that as well. That was a single, um, which okay. is also about the relationship. And the go in your own way is actually Lindsay Buckingham telling Stevie Nicks that she can essentially go away. You don't want to, don't want to see her anymore. No, oh, because she went solo, right? Stevie Nicks, is that right? Uh, eventually, yeah. So it's not like we're happy for you to go solo. It's <laughs> fuck no, off, it's, TV. It's, yeah, see you later. Have you ever watched Flight of the Concords? No. My favourite joke in Flight of the Concords is uh, Fleetwood Mac made some of their best music when they were, they were involved in a love triangle. <laughs> One of them goes, rumours? He goes, no, that was all true. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, while they were recording rumours... Uh, Stephen Nicks, Lindsay Buckingham and two other members of the band were also going through uh, the end of their marriage. Can you imagine how awkward that recording studio was? <laughs> like, <laughs> but they produced magic. Yeah, absolutely brilliant album. Mm. Mm. We, uh, should, we should all like, hate each other then. Maybe we'll make good podcasts. Well, maybe if... Till then, Carl, we'll just make distinctly average podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with that. Well, two of us can get married and have an affair with the other one. Yeah. I think that works. <laughs> You're outlining my dream scenario. That's why I started this. <laughs> what was Liam's point for that? Uh, Liam, well, <laughs> Liam hasn't got a point. The, but the point was, um, I think out of context, you can take the line, you can go your own way as a... You can go, you can always go your own way, right? Yeah. Um, and I appreciate it is difficult getting by without friends, but if you really don't like them, then don't feel like you know have confidence in yourself have faith yeah your happiness is paramount if they're not making you happy and you can lose them the fact that you haven't got anyone else to turn to shouldn't stop you just letting them go their own way i think go so you can always make <laughs> <laughs> i hope you do that every time um you can let people go their own way and you go can make 
<laughs> you can make it make new friends. I'm not going to recommend many non-fiction books, I don't think, because I don't want to be thought of as saying they're 100% correct and helpful, and I'm not a big fan of self-help books anyway. Um, for I'm reasons. pretty sure you lent me a self-help book once. I thought you needed it, but... <laughs> and you didn't like it, you're chucking it out. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just mean in general. There are a few that are quite good, but fiction is more open to interpretation, so I prefer that. I prefer to recommend it to people, because, you know... However... There's one that I'm going to recommend right now, published by Simon and Schuster, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. This has sold over 30 million copies, so I think I'm on safe ground recommending it. So I haven't read this because I saw the title and I thought that sounds really sinister. Manipulative. Is it, it? is it as bad as it sounds? It Basically, um, it sounds like to me, sorry, I haven't read it. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> uh, now, really, no, it does sound like it's aimed at people who want to make sales, who want to be salespeople. Um, but it does apparently contain a lot of helpful advice for people who actually want to make friends. For example, become genuinely interested in other people, encourage others to talk about themselves, and make the other pe- person in the conversation feel important and do it sincerely. So that's not really manipulative, is it? If you are sincere about wanting to know about them, then... But if you're reading a book that is telling you to do that... <laughs> and how do you say, you really oh, sincere? I must be sincere here? It's a bit like um, if we were in a dystopian future where some people were robots and <laughs> you didn't know. If you saw someone reading that, you would think that's a robot trying to yeah. learn how to be a human. <laughs> um yeah, so a lot of these things might sound obvious to people who have a lot of friends, but some people do make it find it difficult to make friends. And I don't do any of those things. <laughs> when I don't encourage others to talk about themselves because I don't care. <laughs> I'm really bad at small talk. Do you know what, though? I um, It's funny you say that because maybe I should read this, but I often, after a conversation with someone, I often think, did I just talk about myself or did I ask about... Exactly. I don't <laughs> yeah. remember anything they said because I'm just thinking, sorry, you're a stranger and I'm not going to know you for very long. So I feel bad. Care. If I think, <laughs> they, oh, yeah. I dominate that conversation, I feel bad about yeah. it. Yeah. I do later, but not during the conversation, <laughs> which is probably the time when you should be probably, feeling yeah. things. Yeah, so my message is from that book, you can make new friends. It might be hard and you might have to learn some new skills to do it. However, there are always new people out there, Woody. And it can be applied, this advice, wherever you go. However, the flip side of that, as I say, this could be interpreted as manipulative. So make friends, but don't make friends. It's the agony art way, Lee. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose we, we, personally, I've kind of got a closed list of friends I don't really want anymore at the moment. And so I don't make an effort. So maybe I'm missing out on some great friends I, I could have by not. I do make an effort with people. Like, I'm not an arsehole to strangers. That's what you think. But maybe I am. Sorry, strangers. <laughs> but I'm not, like, thinking, I'm going to befriend you. I, I don't know if this is just, like, some sort of deficiency of character, but I often think that that, prob- that person probably doesn't want to talk to me anyway. Oh, That is a major self-confidence issue. <laughs> I mean, you're right. <laughs> no one wants to talk to you. <laughs> you should... You should feel like they do. <laughs> so I'm going to, uh, your, both of your uh, kind of advice so far is to, well, Aaron is to let them go and make new friends. Liam is just let them go, sod them. 
Well, it wasn't so much Sodom, but it was a don't don't think that you can't make new friends because you can go your own way. I've got two examples of film that say that the friends you have are the best friends you'll ever have and cling on, cling on to them for life. Um, so Stand By Me, 1986, Rob Reiner, um, always tempted to do the boom, boom. I thought you were going to join in. <laughs> I thought Carl was going to do the vocals. No, I just enjoying Liam doing it. I love, I love listening to Liam's music. So, have you both seen this film? I haven't actually, no. No, Devastating. Devastating. It's a classic yeah. though, isn't it? Based on a book, Stephen King, The Body. I thought it was. Yeah, short story. Not read that either. Short yeah. story? I probably yeah. have read it then. I just don't remember it. No, okay. So, it's called The Body because it's about kids in the 50s. Um, have you heard the quote, do you want to see a dead body? Ah, uh, no. No. <laughs> I've heard the quote, do you want to build a snowman? Um, <laughs> Similar. So there's a rumour that there's a dead body. Someone's seen it. Um, older kids have seen it. And the older kids want to go and find it. The younger kids want to go and find it first. It's a big thing. A race to the dead body. Um, which sounds really Classic horrible. Classic childhood Is, it, is it a horror film? No. Oh. Um, but the, body, when it, the body comes alive and they all make friends with <laughs> it. It's just because it's Stephen King. It's like, it, sounds, it sounds like something like that will happen. Yeah. So the four friends, um, Gordy is the main one, Will Wheaton, which family... Will Wheaton. Yeah, I always wanted that. <laughs> will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Um, and River Phoenix, who's Chris. They're the best friends. There's two other friends, Vern and... can't remember who Corey Feldman plays. So they they go along the, the railway, railway tracks to try and find the body. And it's like a real adventure, and it's the kind of thing that will cement your friendships for life. You'll always talk about it. Do you remember when we went to find a dead body? And um, they find a dead body. Um, they have a bit of a fight with the older kids. One of them is Kiefer Sutherland. Um, but they also kind of, they've all got some issues. So Vern's unpopular. Corey Feldman, his dad is uh, has got uh, PTSD from World War One. He stormed the beach at Normandy, as he says a lot. Gordy, his brother's died, John Cusack. Star studied this film. Mm. And River Phoenix is a real bad apple. His parents are terrible. He's really clever, but um, he's treated like a piece of shit because his family are pieces of shit. So this all comes out on the journey as well. So it's a real kind of finding themselves journey, even though they're only 12. But the thing is, they all drift apart. Even Gordy and Chris stay friends for longest. Gordy gets Chris into college. He becomes a lawyer. And Gordy becomes a journalist or a writer like Aaron. But they drift apart as well. And Gordy reads in the newspaper that Chris got killed. Um, stabbed, breaking up a fight, and he feels really sad about it. Then the, the last quote of the film is, I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? And it's kind of like he feels really bad that he drifted away, and no one knows him like Chris did. And Chris didn't know, no one knew Chris like he did. So there's a lot a lot under the bridge with friends. I don't know how good the friends these are to um, Woody, but there's a lot under the bridge, and maybe it is worth salvaging that I think another thing sorry where are you going to go no I was, I was just going to say I think I think another thing to consider as well that with old friends I, I think it's never too late in a lot of cases like there's I think there's often a conception that oh it's been too long I can't just say hello but if they were really good friends once and you know you can just message them a lot of the time you just fall into old habits really quickly and it's really easy to talk to people and there's a Kind of a real life example, um, which was also put into a song, or a few songs actually, uh, by the 2004, uh, in a 2004 song by the band The Libertines. Does anyone remember The Libertines? Can't stand me now. 
I don't know why I did Bowie voice. mentioned that song. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because, yeah, that's what we're talking about, Can't Stand Me Now. The song is about a breakdown of a friendship between two friends. In particular, it's the two singers of the band. So it's Carl Barat and Pete Doherty. Um, And they had a really long checkered history, um, which boils down to essentially they didn't get on that well. Um, Barat often said that Doherty had a lot of drug problems. He was on heroin, I think, at one point. And that made him really difficult to work with. Um, but Doxy has always actually maintained that it wasn't the drugs that was the problem. They just didn't really like each other. There's a line in the song where he actually says, no, you've got it the wrong way around. You shut me up and blamed it on the brown. He's talking about the heroin there. Um. Thanks, Lou. <laughs> just in case you didn't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm very up on my drug slang. <laughs> um, and things between them really came to a head when uh, essentially they, they'd fallen out so much that the Libertines were touring without Doxy. Um, in Japan, I think, um, and Doxy took that opportunity to go around to Barat's flat and rob him and steal some <laughs> of his stuff, which actually ended in a prison sentence, um, which I think it was either in 2004, 2005, something around that, somewhere around that time. In the end, he went to Thailand to get clean, because apparently that's a thing. Did you know that? No. <laughs> there's, a, there's a rehab centre in Thailand. I didn't write down the name of it, but apparently it's quite famous. <laughs> Um, it's a shame because we could have recommended it on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) and uh, today 16 years later um, after he got clean they got back together and they're still touring today so it was was the drugs Uh, (laughs) (laughs) perhaps Perhaps there's some evidence there Um, yeah so uh, I didn't know the Libertines were still around yeah well they're not touring right now for obvious reasons but they they were touring last year and they were planning to tour in 2020. But if Woody is in a band with these people, it sounds like stay retain a fractious relationship because that leads to your popularity. Consider going to rehab. But like Libertines had their best days when they hated each other. Oasis, obviously famous. Fleetwood Mac, rumours come out of that. So you should hate your friends if you want to be a famous band. You need a bit of... Friction. Well, I was going for a more positive, optimistic message, <laughs> which was, it doesn't matter how long you've been away from each other, you can still, if, you've, if you ever feel that you do want to get back with those friends, you can still just pick up the phone, or people don't do that anymore, do they? Pick up WhatsApp. I would echo that sentiment, Liam, by giving you some examples from young adult fiction, because young adult gives us loads of examples of friendships like Doherty's and... Cole Barat. Yeah, why not? I used to think it was Barrett, but I, I was looking at the pronunciation on Wikipedia, especially for this podcast. That is attention yeah. to these <laughs> Yeah, I had to do that for a couple of authors, like Gillian Flynn, because I thought it would be Gillian, but no. And I'm kind of say director's names. Yeah, <laughs> you can't even write them down. <laughs> um, gives us plenty of examples of friendships that are tested to their limits, but pull through. I'm going to give you some examples... Quickly, I'm not going to go into like the minutiae of each one, but in The Princess Diaries, which was turned into a film by Meg Cabot, Maya and Lily's friendship survived one of them suddenly becoming a princess, which is, you know, that's a trial for any friendship. Imagine if I suddenly became a princess. Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Rowell? Oh, shit. I should have looked the pronunciation Ah. up. Uh, Reagan and Kath. Can still be friends even when Kath starts dating Reagan's ex boyfriend. No this is what it feels like by Rebecca Barrow is all about three friends who have drifted apart and they're now rebuilding their relationships. Twilight Saga 
by Stephanie Mayer. Bella and Jacob manage to remain friends even after they nearly get a bit sexy. And even though Jacob literally tries to bite Edward's head off. <laughs> and that's a major achievement, I think, because Bella is one of the most dramatic, annoying idiots who have ever been put on the page. I thought you were going to say it as a major, major achievement because he's got a really big head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Jacob, um, you know, he kind of he ends up okay. He falls in love with their baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's just a lovely way to end the story. <laughs> so, you know, maybe your friendships can be saved, as Liam says. The friendships are never beyond saving, say, young adult. And that is the theme to Girl Strip from 2017, directed by Malcolm D. Lee. This is about four college friends called the Flossy Posse. Have they got wet-ass posses? <laughs> <laughs> wet-ass Flossy Posses. <laughs> so, um, there's four main characters... We've got Sasha, she's a journalist uh, with money troubles. Dina, she can't keep a job because she's too angry. Lisa, she's a busy, boring, working single mom. Like, I'm doing boring in quotation marks for the listener. Um, and Ryan, who's a celebrity and lives a perfect life, married to Luke Cage. Like, not, not like actually Luke Cage, but the guy that... Is this a Marvel tie <laughs> <laughs> But when I saw it, I was like, Luke Cage! It turns out he's a complete dick in this film. Yeah? I can't believe it. Um, I wasn't a fan of Luke Cage, the series. I like him in... Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones, So yeah. did I. See, I thought, this is mm. going to be great. Yeah. And then I watched the series and I was like, this is... I didn't bother watching DA. it. DA. Yeah, DA. Distinctly average. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I won't bore you too much, but basically it's about um, these four friends and they drift apart. They drift apart over five years, but then they come back together to go to a convention that Ryan, the celebrity, is doing a keynote speech at. Turns out Ryan's life isn't perfect. She's not a perfect celebrity life. Hasn't got one because Luke Cage is cheating on her, which she knows about, but she wants to preserve her brand. So she just accepts it. So, you know, but there's a, throughout the film... Uh, there is some weird stuff that goes on. Um, they say the Flossy Posse's got a ride again at this convention. Jada Pinkett Smith, who plays Lisa, she um, does a zip wire in New Orleans and it stops midway and she pisses herself all over the crowd below, who seem to love it. <laughs> <laughs> so much that Dina follows her and then pisses herself as well. All right. Yeah, didn't expect that in the film. Um, and then there's some sexual acts involving grapefruits. Quite a lot in it I don't know if you know I didn't know this until this film well Google grapefruit porn I'll probably give that one a miss to be honest (laughs) (laughs) so anyway there is a good sentiment to this which agrees with both your points that um, and there's a quote you go a year without seeing each other and that year turns into five and before you know it you're so busy trying to get what you want that one day you look up and find out that the thing you love the most your crew the people who make you feel at home no matter where you are They've gone, and this made this made this made me think immediately. When you're younger and like you're at school, you've got no real cares. All you care about is school. And maybe you are, as we get older, we have loads of cares and worries. We can't really be asked anymore. And maybe we're our best selves at school when we've got no worries. And they are your real friends because they're the people you gravitate to when you haven't got any worries. So Yeah, there's a, there's a naivety, isn't there, to it? Mm. Whereas in later life, you might be friends with people because you just want them to pay for you to get through college. Did that happen to you? <laughs> that's, a, that's a story for another day. 
Oh, I thought this was a song you were leading into. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm out of songs. <laughs> uh, I think uh, you you might be right, Carl, or it might be the complete opposite of that. <laughs> the friends, the friends that you make at school might not be the best friends you'll ever have because you might be not your best self at school because you're immature because you've got no worries. You can afford to be immature, careless, which is um, a good thing to lose as you become an adult. Because if you were immature and careless for your whole life, you wouldn't get much done. That's you wouldn't true. get a podcast recorded. And you probably sure. lose all your friends that you made at school by being yeah. immature and careless as they grow up. Um, so, you know, to argue the opposite point, if you're supposed to lose these friends, Woody, remember you can always make new friends. In Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk, published by... W.W. Norton or Vintage in the UK. The unnamed narrator, I'm going to call him Jack, goes to clubs to find new friends. He goes to support groups for terminal illnesses, to be honest. You know, it just helps him see new people, see people who are really suffering. And he makes even more friends by starting a fight club. And so you could attend clubs to make new friends. Maybe maybe don't go to fight clubs or support groups for terminally ill people because... One of them is trauma porn and the other might break some of your bones. But, you know, these are options. Find a local uh, knitting club or a, a book <laughs> First of all, club. knitting club. Yeah. Uh, and if all else fails, and this is a spoiler, you could just make up a friend. Get yourself an imaginary friend. You don't need that old group of friends. That's quite a cryptic spoiler. Well, I'm not going to go any further. If you don't know, that. you wouldn't guess, I think. It's a good I think, I think it, what, as you were watching the film, you'd figure it out yeah uh, so we've covered a lot of ground there either <laughs> abandon your friends make new ones or give it another go i think we've done a good job there i don't think we should ever commit ourselves to anything maybe later we'll decide to commit ourselves to things but right now we're young immature careless i think we can afford to be right now <laughs> has anyone got anything final to add before we move on i'll be your friend Woody. you got a friend in me Perfect. <laughs> What's your problem? There's no use trying to pretend you haven't got one. The three of us are here. The lend a friendly ear and help you out with all that strife that's lately marked your life. Why not divulge it? You never know. We may have tips that help you solve it. We know it's unlikely, but it's an impossibility if you don't share your problem. Problem two. One of my friends has betrayed me. I told a secret to a select few people, and the other day someone who I hadn't told said that they knew. What should I do now? Have either of you ever been betrayed? I don't think so. I don't know, I've got a bit of a bad memory, so I might have been. Um, I was thinking though, isn't there a quote that's like, a secret's not a secret if more than one person knows about it or something like that? I've never heard that quote, but I like it. That is true. Maybe this is uh, telling about my character, but I don't think you can really trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone you tell something has someone that they trust enough to tell that two yeah and then it just spreads let's face it it. we all tell our wives everything exactly and if it was a secret about someone else she might tell her mum 
she might go, oh, you want to hear what Aaron's friend has done? You know what I mean? Like these things spread, even not necessarily with malice. People aren't going, I'm going to spread this shit. They just go, I trust them enough. They won't tell anyone. Well, the further along the line you get, the less they care about the secret yeah, as well. Because that's true, like, yeah, that's true. Oh, well, it's never going to come back that like, I've spread this because someone else has done it. <laughs> I hope you've got a fleet with Matt the chain to come, Liam. Yeah. I haven't actually, but you can take that one. Okay, so Fleetwood Mac, they're a band. <laughs> I've heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Liam, why don't you start us? Carl started us last. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa. Ice cream, man. cream man. That's not what I, not what I was saying. I was saying we haven't thought of a name yet. Well, I was thinking... I don't Mr. Want, Whippy. I, I don't want to tread on any toes, but... Um, There's strong competition, Liam. This better be good because Mr. Whippy is a good one. <laughs> um, often betrayed by Loki is four. Sorry, I said Thor, not four. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I like that. Did you know that Carl had trouble for many years saying Thor? I, I had you know to this? practice my THs like quite well into adulthood before I could reliably do it without thinking. Well, Carl was not only practicing the TH, but mixing the F and the TH for a long time. For Thor. <laughs> Thor. <laughs> Have you got it now? Can Thor. You oh, well done, Carl. It's a real legitimate thing I've been trying to do. Like Liam, like, practicing. Maybe it's because we went to the same primary school. Maybe they just didn't teach us they how did, to speak properly. <laughs> well, no one really cared. No one corrected you. Yeah. I went to a private school for two... Two years. Oh, all right. Fucking yeah, hell. Right. We didn't come in to brag. <laughs> well, I went for two years and then didn't anymore. <laughs> and um, they did... I remember saying ain't. I vividly remember being a three-year-old three saying ain't. And she went, haven't. <laughs> I still say ain't, but... Um, yeah, I don't think our school cared about it. They had bigger problems to deal with. Yeah. True. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll call him Thor to give you two some practice at saying your THs. All right. So, Liam, start us off. What should Thor do now? Well, you've been betrayed and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty hard. You've got to pick yourself up after that. Um, and in terms of songs about picking yourself up after a pretty hard event in your life, Duran Duran released a, a track in 1993 called Ordinary World. Now... A bit of a theme in this episode. This song isn't actually about someone who's been betrayed. <laughs> but it is about... So the theme in this episode is that you haven't done your homework. <laughs> and you've turned up and you're saying any old shit. Well, no. So it's, it's not about the betrayal. It's actually much sadder. It's about a friend of singer Simon Le Bon's who sadly died in the late 80s. And it's about kind of trying to move on after like a really hard event in your life. Um, and, and there's some really quite inspirational lyrics in it. I mean... Duran Duran, they're one of those bands that when I kind of first heard their, a few of their songs, I was like, oh, it's just 80s cheese, isn't it? Shall I start again? <laughs> no, you can carry on. I think um, the ice cream van is going to be a part of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. If when you write the jingle, and by the time we release it, the jingle will have been written. So this is a bit of a time warp situation. But when you write the jingle, make sure you include an ice cream van jingle in it. Okay, yeah. So for the <laughs> listeners, when you hear that ice cream van jingle... You get to episode three, we'll finally explain why it's there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, Duran Duran, they're one of those bands that I always thought they were just a bit like 80s cheese, but the, the more I listen to them, the more I'm like, actually, he's a pretty good songwriter. What do you mean by just 80s cheese anyway? Some of the best music that's ever been written is, is 80s, 80s, cheese? 80s cheese. Aaron and yeah. I have seen Duran Duran in the last two years. Have you? We saw Duran Duran and 
I'm so sorry for this to be like interrupting your. Uh, At least be said though. In the middle of the concert, he goes, "I'd like to bring out a very special friend to sing the next song with us." I don't think she sang, did she? No, she just sort of stood there. Tambourine, so maybe she didn't sing. Everybody, welcome Lindsay Lohan. What? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that was our reaction. I remember saying, "Is that Lindsay Lohan?" <laughs> the whole crowd was like, "Uh." <laughs> Because you think it's going to be another 80s legend or maybe even a new, like a modern singer. And then it's Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> what the fuck? Do you remember why? Yeah, um, they're good friends because she, she, they encountered each other at a fancy dress party once and she was dressed as Simon Le Bon and that's why they're friends now. And, and she Car- tours the world with them. Carl's reaction to that was, how do you dress as Simon Le Bon? Doesn't she... <laughs> She's a musician in, in a film or something. She plays guitar or something. Did I make that up? Uh, Freaky Friday. It might have been Freaky Friday. Yeah. There is a guitar in that. Yeah. yeah, I think she plays the guitar in that. I don't know if she actually plays I think it. musician is probably kind. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Anyway, sorry. We've got to stop Durand. laughing because this is a really sad song. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the lyrics are quite inspirational in places. So I've got a, I've got a snippet here, which is... I won't cry for yesterday. There's an ordinary world I know I have to find. So he's saying, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it. I need to move on. I need to get back to normality. I won't cry for yesterday. I remember that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, you know, I, find, I think that's quite inspirational. It's just, you've got to try and pick yourself back up. Don't, don't dwell on these things. Um, also, I think Simon's a little bit hard on himself because he's like, I'm not going to cry. I think you can cry if you need to, you know. Sometimes we all need a little bit of a cry. There's a great scene in Layer Cake where a guy beats another guy almost to death with a coffee pot in a cafe while this song is playing really loud. What's the relevance? don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great scene, though. <laughs> That's basically what happened, yeah. I'll show you uh, the scene afterwards. It is a tune. Duran Duran have done a lot of tunes. If, um, what didn't they play live? What was what I wanting? Didn't one? they? Yeah. Um... I don't remember. Wet ass pussy. No, um, <laughs> the reflex. The reflex. I was waiting for that the whole time. I thought, oh, they're going to end with it, but didn't even play it. I've got to say, that's one of the worst Duran Duran songs. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so your advice is to find a way to move on. Yeah, pretty much. Find beauty in the ordinary world. Find your and... way back to the ordinary world. Mm. Um, I, you know, there's a bit of a trail. Not to say get over it, it's a little bit harsh. But I wish do, you'd do done try. your homework. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. There are I no think... songs about betrayal, are there, Liam? Uh, there's, I've, got, I've got at least one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, you can come back to that. We'll let you, we'll let you do some homework while we... Uh... <laughs> Liam is frantically scribbling away. With an imaginary pen. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Uh, I... Don't think you should move on. I don't think you should try to get back to anything. I think you've got to find the traitor and punish them. And that is my, the only message I'm going to give. All of the examples I've got are how to find this fucker who has leaked your secret. <laughs> Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, John le Carre, Hodder and Stoughton, 1974. It's an excellent book. So I saw the film and I thought, God, this is complicated. Night to watch it twice and actually pay attention the second time. Did you like it? Loved it. I've seen it about 15 times. I love it. This film. is the... Uh, I think it might be multiple films, mightn't it? No. There's, no? there's a, um, 
a BBC series. Oh, okay. I've so we're talking Adventure about the 2011, was it? Could be. I'll Gary be. Oldman film? Yeah. Um, Carla, which is the code name for Russian intelligence, has a mole in the British intelligence services. And George Smiley is charged with finding the mole. And it occurred to me that even though I really bloody love this book, I couldn't remember how he found it. Do you remember? All I could, all I wrote down, because I was going to just Google it, and then I thought, no, Aaron, this is one of the few books you have read. <laughs> so just do it from memory. I couldn't remember. Well, it's, they know that it's high up in the circus, so it's one yeah, of the people the that go in the room. The circus is the British intelligence services. And he rules out some, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, he... He um he fabricates some treasure, some like amazing classified information that is going to be leaked, and he arranges a double agent to meet up meet with up. the mole. Yeah, and then that is the climax, isn't it? Spoilers, yeah. or not spoilers, because we don't have to reveal who it was. But the climax is that they wait in this house, waiting for the mole to turn up. Yeah. Didn't we agree that spoilers are okay? Yeah, but I think we should avoid them where we can. Fair enough. Or at least say spoiler. It's like if spoiler. your nan was a dickhead and you thought about calling your nan a dickhead, you should try and avoid it because she's your nan. <laughs> you, say, you say spoiler, she's a dickhead. <laughs> but isn't, no, isn't the analogy there? It's okay to call your nan a dickhead, but you should try to avoid it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You should try to avoid it if you can. But if she's a genuine dickhead, <laughs> you've got to say, nan, stop being a dickhead. Um... So yeah, you could do that. You could ask around. You could maybe fabricate a secret. Um, And uh, worth mentioning that there's a sequel to that. There's actually, I think, three or four books in the Smiley series. The Honourable Schoolboy, also by John le Carre, obviously. It's very much the same deal. It's a sequel to Tinker Tailor, so they're still trying to weed out what this mole has done and undo some of the damage he's done to the circus because by the time the Honourable Schoolboy rolls around, the circus is in big trouble there might be you know funding might be cut and all the rest of it because of the fuck up that they've made by having such a big mole in their organisation um, very much the same deal but it's a bit more action a real foot soldier thing going around uh, breaking into places and shooting people and a lot more action if you're looking for action but Tinker Taylor oh what a book what a film. Yeah, so what a character, George Smiley. Oh, George Smiley. Love a bit of Gary Oldman, though. Did you know Gary Oldman is two weeks younger than Gary Newman? <laughs> <laughs> How many Gary Oldman facts are there? Because I've got one as well. Yeah, go on. I've you got know, one. Um, you know, I should imagine there's a whole lifetime because he's a real human being. <laughs> you know who his sister is? Oh, this is my yeah, one. Yeah, they're um, Big Mo. Big, Big Mo, Mo from EastEnders. Big Mo. Her acting name is Layla Morse. It's an anagram of Mia Sorella, which means my sister in Spanish. And I think she got her first acting job through him. Ah. Um, I'm with you, Aaron, on Weed Out the Mole. Godfather, 1972, Francis Ford Coppola directing. Um, it's a little bit different in the... Well, there's lots of portrayal going on. They've got a mole, if you like. They don't really realise they've got one. Vito Corleone, Martin Brando prophesizes someone will betray you um, because there's five five mafia families in New York and they're all jealous of the Corleone family who wield so much power, have all the politicians and the judges 
and they all want uh, they gun down one of Vito's children, Sonny, and they make peace by saying that he's got to share his power with the others. And he says, "Okay, but he don't forget." And he says, "And he knows someone's going to betray him." So the prophecy kind of happens, and what Michael Corleone does, Vito Corleone's son, who doesn't he doesn't intend to be a mafioso. He's in the army. He's living a normal life. Goes to college. But he ends up more brutal than his dad. And um, as soon as the uh, the capo kind of indicates he's going to betray him, because he sets up a meeting with um, another one of the bosses, and that was going to be the sign. It's like, whoever comes to you with a meeting, a sit-down, he's the traitor. So then they kill him. They basically kill everyone. And, you know, the same as Tinker Sailor. Be brutal, find out who it was, and get rid of them. Does it work out for him? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's two sequels. <laughs> um, so yeah my my plan would be um, tell each of your friends a different version of the same fact and see which one comes back to you this is a classic they do it in the departed as well Depart- don't they yeah. <laughs> who's the rat <laughs> I don't know I'm if you had sure, the departed um, written down pretty sure there's a game of thrones I was, one that's... Tyrion does it doesn't he is that one of your points let's lead on to my next book <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a classic uh, tactic isn't it Tell each of your friends a different secret and see which secret gets out. Tyrion does do it in season two of Game of Thrones. And I, was, I couldn't remember if it was in A Clash of Kings, which is the corresponding book. But I imagine it is because the reason that the early series of Game of Thrones were so good and clever was that they were based on good source material. And that's why season eight was so shit. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they run out of source material, it is terrible. Yeah. Um, so Tyrion tells three different people three different secrets about Marcella, aren't they? Uh, all of his plans for his niece. So yeah, it's a classic, classic tactic. They do it in loads of things. And the departed. <laughs> Can you do... Federal Marshal. What is it? A Boston. Is that Boston. Boston Mass. Can you do a Boston accent? <laughs> so, um, I want to go to the shops I want to go to the shops <laughs> <laughs> so you can't alright I thought we had a native Bostonian in the room <laughs> I like um, I always remember Jack Nicholson's quote and he goes what can I do what can I use you for what can yeah. I use you for mm. that's a great film that is the perfect film for this problem which I didn't think of yeah Oh, well, uh, it was one of the first things I thought of. Maybe I should have um, What's that? Um, spoken to Have you. I used the pipe before? No, I don't think I have. But it's a, it's a remake of a, um, Infernal Affairs, isn't it? Infernal Affairs, what it's called. Is it? I've not seen it, but... Um, neither have I. So none of us have seen it, but might be good. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out and let well, us know. Well, the Departed is really good. Maybe, so, yeah. have Maybe. you seen it, Liam? You haven't seen no, many I films? No, You haven't seen The Departed? I don't think so. What's it I about? would put it in my top 20 films. Hmm. Really good. Sure, I'll put it in his top 20 films too. <laughs> <laughs> now it's in there twice. <laughs> I've only got 18 other spots. I was thinking actually, maybe to help me watch more films, but actually focus the list, we should, at the end of the podcast, say, if you're going to do one thing from what we've said today, then watch this, listen to this, read this. We'll make that a discussion point in a future episode. Yeah. <laughs> we need <laughs> discussion <laughs> points. <laughs> so I've, I've got a, a, a very old example it's a traditional song we've not had one of those yet it's uh you probably know it it's called whiskey in the jar it's famously recorded by finn lizzie in the 70s uh, 1972 i believe it was uh yeah it's right it's written down here 
<laughs> I just thought of the uh, the Kid Rock song, whiskey in a jar, not thinking about tomorrow. Do you not know it? But it's barrel. I kind of is it got a, it's got a guitar riff. And yeah, it's famous. Yeah, I thought I it was really famous. I thought everyone would have known it. For you musicians, <laughs> mate. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, whiskey in the bottle. That's a good rock one. Thinking yeah. about tomorrow. We're speaking home out of Bamrow. Piss take, innit? Yeah. So, have you heard of the Roud Folk Song Index? No. So, let me paint a scene for you with words. <laughs> so, it's 1970. You're in the picturesque borough of Croydon. Oh, and the borough. Your name is Steve Roud, I think. I hope it is. <laughs> um, and you're the local studies librarian. And you realise that there's a lot of folk songs in the world, but nobody's made a database of them yet. It's a local studies. Uh, so is it Croydon folk songs? No, it's, 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 all Croydon it's global. Based. It's global. So, so in 1970, he decides to start a initially paper-based database. In 1993, I think it was, they put it onto a computer. Um, and he's listed all of the folk songs that are known about. Um, generally, the way it works is the lower the number, the more popular the song is. And there's about 25,000 entries in it at the moment. So, what, so pres- presumably the numbers change then? Uh, no, no, no. So the reason, the reason it works out like that is because... Uh, he did the most obvious ones first. Exactly, yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not strictly true. But as, Imagine as sitting all, down to do this. It reminds me of the Blackadder episode where they've got to rewrite the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they only get to Aardvark. <laughs> so, considering... I, I, thought, I thought this would be quite a fun exercise, but now that it turns out neither of you know the song, maybe not, but do you reckon you could guess... <laughs> Were you going to try and get us to sing it in the round? I was gonna, no, <laughs> okay, no. you start. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, can you guess ballpark where this song would be on the list of 25,000? 24,999. And you said 12? Okay, Carl wins. It's actually 533. <laughs> so he's not that close, but it's closer than you. Why is it a folk song? What, did, what, what defines a folk song? Uh, a song that's oral tra- tradition, basically. So it's been passed down by generations. By so Finlay didn't write this song then? No, Finlay didn't write it at all, no. Um, no one knows who wrote it. It's, it's basically tradition, essentially. Um, anyway, let's get to the point of why it's relevant, which is... Get it's, to the point, Liam, fucking hell. <laughs> It tells a story about a man, um, a, a highwayman, I think, who, who robs a British officer who's called Captain Farrell. Um, and, and he robs him, he takes his money. It was a pretty penny, they say in the song. Um, and he takes it back to Molly, who's presumably his girlfriend. He doesn't specify, but we think it probably is. Molly is also drug slang. So Liam's on, on theme today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Molly waits until he's asleep and then goes to Captain Farrell and says, oh yeah, he's here, by the way. And then Captain Farrell turns up and uh, the quote from the song is in walks Captain Farrell. And he's obviously been betrayed at this point. So he's quite angry about it. What does he do? Well, he jumps up, fires off his pistols and he shoots him with both barrels. Which rhymes with Farrell. (laughs) Convenient, really. (laughs) Right. Well, it's good to know the song rhymes. (laughs) Um, But this is a bit of a cautionary tale because he ends up in prison for murder because he killed Captain Farrell. So uh, I think the point to take home here is... Don't be too rash in your decisions. You know, it's better to be cold and methodical if you want to take revenge than shoot someone in the spur of the moment. So the lessons aren't don't rob people, don't betray your friend. It's don't murder the person you robbed. Don't, 
Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Being a folk song, there's a few different versions. Um, one of the versions, which I thought was quite funny, was instead of him killing him, Molly fills up his gun with water instead of bullets, and he tries to shoot him and he can't. A water pistol. Yeah. Just <laughs> <And laughs> squirts Captain Farrow in the face. And like that's it. how water pistols were invented. <laughs> by Gary Newman. <laughs> 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 Right, um, I've got one more example about where betrayal turns into um, a great friendship. Um, the Fast and Furious, 2001, directed by Rob Cohen. For reasons, reasons, Finn Diesel runs a hijacking team of fast car drivers. And I've not rewatched it for the purpose of this, but I can't remember there being a reason why they rob um, trucks, but they do, presumably for money. Yeah, uh, we have watched them recently because we were going to do all of them, but we can't find seven on any streaming platform or Sky Movies. I've got it. I wonder if I can lend it to you on um, Apple. Or we can watch it later. Um, <laughs> Let's just watch it now. Fuck yeah. the podcast. <laughs> um, Is there a reason why it has to be done in 60 seconds? I feel like that's part of the problem. That's gone in 60 seconds. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but great film. Is there a reason why they're all departed? <laughs> It's not in Boston. Um, yeah, so basically, it shows this Asian film, like 2001, because they're the big load, the big cargo is a um, truckload of DVD players, which yeah, will be worth and they've what, got, 40 um, quid now. Yeah, they've got like a garage load of CRT tellies as well. It's yeah. like not even flat screen. We watched it back and we was like, oh God, do you remember those days? Mm. So um, Paul Walker's an FBI agent. He's tasked with infiltrating the, the gang. And... It just seems to me that I was trying to think of, oh, he must like think that Vin Diesel's gang are actually good, but they're not actually good. He just likes them. Like he just yeah. wants to become a criminal with them, basically. <laughs> yeah, there isn't really a redeeming feature except that they keep going with family. Yeah. So yeah, Paul Walker infiltrates the gang. Um, he he tries to pretend it's not them, and it's uh, Johnny Tran's gang instead. They're the ones doing the carjacking or the hijacking. It's not them. It is Vin Diesel and his crew. Um, and he basically just lets Vin Diesel go even though he's the criminal that he should be arresting and he joins the gang and so he betrays him they find out he betrays him but he redeems himself to the criminals and becomes a criminal himself so maybe sometimes um, the betrayal could lead to something better a better friendship yeah <laughs> that's what Fast and Furious teaches us do you reckon this person has betrayed Thor in in order to join him <laughs> Hmm. I don't know. Well, we don't know the circumstances. If Maybe it, if it's Loki, for example, you know they're on and yeah. off, don't they? To be so. fair, yes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be totally fair here. Yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right. So, has anyone got any uh, wrap-up points on this problem? What we've basically said to Thor is, um, you've either got to move on and forget about this, or if you're going to stay. You've got to root out the traitor and then there's a fork in the road once you've found the traitor, isn't there? As you say, Carl, you could become friends with them. <laughs> Get them on side because you betrayed me, but oh, you're a nice yeah, guy. Let's I go just... and rob DVDs together. <laughs> yeah. Or send them to Russia where <laughs> they came from. None of those things are mutually exclusive. You could do all of them. Mm. Oh, I think... Once had a problem 
that I couldn't solve. I went to the preacher, he couldn't save my soul. I sent for the doctor, he said I don't know. Then I listened to this podcast And madness took hold Problem three I'm starting a new job soon and I'm scared Can you give me some encouragement please? When was the last time you started a new job? I'm going to start a new job soon actually Really? I was offered a new job at work and I've accepted it Yep. Same company. Uh, same company. So it's not really like this person's problem. Uh, <laughs> Is this person it's not going to be scary at all. Specified new company? Uh, well, I imagine since they're scared and, you know, if you're just moving in the company, you're fairly at home, aren't you? Yeah, because I've done like, that five times mm. and don't feel like I've ever, like, got a new job. Exactly. Mm. New job fear is when you're going to a new company, you're new people. Ooh. Scary You've shit. done that, but we I don't we haven't really now kind of later. Well I did it five years ago, so it's, it's quite a long, long time, time ago, now, yeah. Um I, I want to continue on the Marvel theme for this one because I've recently watched uh, Civil War and yeah. Peter Parker gets a new job in that, doesn't he? Bob becomes so Spider-Man. Well it's 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 fresh to see of him, isn't it, in the series? So it, it kind of yes, but also Avengers. Alright. Peter, we're here to help. Starting with me. so i thought i'd go completely off the wall here not recommend books that's your job (laughs) i'm gonna recommend music what are we paying you for (laughs) (laughs) i wish you were paying me i thought i'd go for authors and what they used to do as a job before they became authors i'll let you off because this sounds interesting my um thought process here is why this is encouraging for you peter is that if an author can do any of these jobs and authors are world-renowned idiots (laughs) then you can do your new job believe in yourself harper lee who wrote um to kill a mockingbird that's it that's the one was an airline reservation attendant she used to write in her spare time and one year her friends gave her the gift of a year's wages with a note saying You've got one year off from your job to write whatever you please. Merry Christmas. Incidentally, a year's wages is on my Christmas list as well this year. <laughs> All right. I'll see what I can do. I might we'll call something together, Liam. <laughs> yeah, I might give you a day's wages <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah, you're not getting that from me. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear some more? Stephen King was a janitor. And if anyone's read Carrie or seen the film, that's what inspired the book. Is it Carrie. based on true events? Based on true events. One day he was mopping the floor of blood. <laughs> he was like, where the fuck did this come from? And it inspired the book Harry. Now, if I recall correctly, I read this a long time ago, and this is a book recommendation. Anyone who wants to become a writer should read On Writing by Stephen King. I'm not a massive fan of Stephen King's writing. I'm not a big fan of his fiction. But On Writing is the best book I've ever read about writing. Really good book. And I think in uh, in that, you were nodding, Liam, so I assume you've read it. You bought it for me. Oh, there you go. Did you read it? Yeah, I, I read it really quickly, and I can't remember any of it now. I need to read it again. <laughs> Great book. <laughs> oh, I thought you was going to verify my 
speculation here, but I think he says that his wife allowed him to quit work so that he could write full time and she would support him. Now, both of those first two examples are give up your job and chase your dream because someone will support you. <laughs> <laughs> she um, she so, reads, I think she reads all of his first drafts, don't she? Yes. And I think that's one of his writing uh, points of advice is write with the door closed, edit with the door open. While you're writing, don't let anyone read it until you've finished your first draft. Then open the door, let trusted people in to read your first drafts. And his wife is one of them, yeah. How would you feel, Aaron, if you bought Liam on writing by Stephen King and he wrote like a bestseller and was a better author than you? Um I've always happening. <laughs> I've thought about this a few times. You know how people in um, TV shows and films are really supportive of their friends, and I always think you're a bigger person than me. Because <laughs> in my head, I would be thinking, "You fucker." <laughs> I've always wanted that. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any danger of it happening. I, I, think, I will not find the time to write a novel. I don't understand well, I think how people do it. Outwardly, I would probably be supportive, Liam. But I want you to know that in my head, I would be thinking, "You fucker." <laughs> So both of those are probably bad examples because they got um, support from someone to follow their dreams. But, you know, they managed to do another job. And as I say, authors are idiots. But this author was not an idiot. This is my last example. Vladimir Nabokov, who wrote Lolita, was a research fellow in zoology and organised the butterfly collection of the Museum of Comparative Zoology at Harvard. And a number, this is a really interesting fact, a number of butterfly and moth species have been named after Nabokov, as well as the genus Nabokovia. Quote from Nabokov, The pleasures and rewards of literary inspiration are nothing beside the rapture of discovering a new organ under the microscope or an undescribed species on a mountainside in Iran or Peru. It is not improbable that there, had there been no revolution in Russia, I would have devoted myself entirely to lepidopterology and never written any novels at all. Mm. So he was a genius in two fields, literacy and lepidopterology. <laughs> You've never. Fuck. You're not a genius in literacy. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm not a genius in yeah. anything. And uh, if you want to read more on this, just before we move on, uh, Nab Nabokov's Blues: The Scientific Odyssey of a Literary Genius by Kurt Johnson and Steve Coates is published by McGraw Hill Professional, and you can read more about Nabokov's butterfly adventures. <laughs> I think that's really interesting. Because most people, like Stephen King being a janitor, Harper Lee being an airline reservation attendant, they're stopgaps, aren't they? They're jobs, just general Mundane jobs. jobs. Yeah. They're thinking all the time about... Exactly. You can sweep a floor and think about um, The Shining. Exactly. So you're doing your day-to-day -day job. Nabokov had a passion. It's amazing. And he was really good at it, obviously. Mm. So Maybe the uh, writing was his janitor job. Exactly. Yeah, while he's writing, he's thinking, God, I fucking love butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter you can do it because they could do it <laughs> um, I mean I've got some I do have some helpful advice I've also got some not so helpful advice that I thought was worth a notable mention um, if only because I love the song which is uh, the Smiths 1984 single Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now in which Morrissey solemnly declares I was looking for a job and I found a job 
and heaven knows I'm miserable now. I was looking for a job, and then I found a job, and heaven knows I'm miserable now. Have you heard the song? No. Because that's spot on. (laughs) (laughs) As a side note, my little boy calls Morrison's Morrissey's. As if he's the chairman. (laughs) Can you imagine if Morrissey was on the Morrison's adverts? (laughs) Please come to Morrison's and buy some food, and then you won't be miserable now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah I mean I think it's a great song I love the Smiths um, but it's not particularly helpful in this case more helpful at least in terms of a self-confidence perspective is a song from 1984 by Joe Esposito called You're the Best um, sing it for us You're the best around. around nothing's ever gonna keep you down used famously in which 1984 film this is the pop quiz by the way I don't. I can't name any 1984 films. I'll give you a cue. A, a, a cue. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. Cue. Oh, Karate Kid. That was a shit clue for a podcast, wasn't it? <laughs> wax on, wax off. Wax yeah. on, wax off. Yeah, Karate the Karate Kid. Kid. Is it in that? It was, um, but it was actually originally intended for another film, which I'm guessing you don't know either. Uh, Since <laughs> you didn't know the actual film that she used in. <laughs> um, but the the other film didn't become common common knowledge until 2008. So allegedly. People have been getting upset for many, many years because they've been watching The Karate Kid and they've been listening to the song. And there's a line in it that goes, history repeats itself. Try and you'll succeed. And they were thinking, but Daniel's never fought in a karate tournament before. No. How is history repeating itself? <laughs> that is true. And, and Joe Esposito had to part with this for years, 24 years, in fact, until finally in 2008, he just he was like, That's, this is the last straw. And in a radio interview, he said, look, guys... It was relevant when I wrote it because it was originally intended for Rocky Free, <gasps> in which of they course, got a better song. <laughs> history repeats itself. Rocky's fighting against Clubber Lang, and well, he trains as a montage. Everyone knows. And the someone wrote Rocky "Island films. Tiger," which is yeah, a better song. Basically, no offense, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and um, what's the best piece of advice from the song? I think there's a there's a great line in it that goes, "Never doubt that you're the one." And you can have your dreams. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, starting a new job, it's important to not get too overwhelmed, not worry too much, believe in yourself. And you could become the CEO one day, you never know. That didn't rhyme though, that makes me really <laughs> That's a sad. rubbish song, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> never it, doubt that you're the one and you can have your dreams. It might it? rhyme in context, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Never doubt that you're the one, you can have the dreams in your bum. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Morrissey didn't rhyme either, you didn't have a problem with that. Yes, but that's Morrissey. <laughs> I didn't know that he... I watched, um, like, I Love the 80s or something on BBC Two recently, and he was, like, flinging, like, flowers about. Gladioli, yeah. That's mm. a very famous uh, moment. Is it, is it very famous? On top of the pops. Yeah. yeah, didn't know he did that. So have you ever wondered how um, versatile is the word Westlife are? I've never wondered how versatile <laughs> Westlife are. I, I don't think I've thought about Westlife I know for at least 20 years. I, they, they've got to be quite versatile because I know that they can sing when they're sitting on stools. That and then true. they can sing in a different key when they're standing up off of the stool. They really get going when they get up, don't they? Do you think yeah. there's a biological reason for that? It's stretching the vocal cords, Liam. <laughs> That's, um... I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when you get up, I'm going to stand up for the podcast. No, I'm standing up. <laughs> I obviously couldn't stand up. <laughs> um, that's very interesting, and I'll come back to that. 
So <laughs> it's not true, by the way. <laughs> that was completely. But made it might. Up. It might be true. <laughs> um, so can Westlife cut it? Is a 2003 BBC documentary. It it's, follows Westlife embarking on breaking America, which they say is the only country they've not broken. And the way they want to do it is to try their hand at country music. Did, why didn't they just be themselves? I guess it wasn't working. It weren't happening. Right, it weren't happening enough. for them, yeah. That's so, not the bit that troubles me the most. The bit that troubles me the most is only country. How big are they in Kazakhstan? <laughs> <laughs> How big are Westlife in New Zealand? Because I don't believe that they can be that big. We can research that. Actually, I, I know someone from Kazakhstan, so I can ask them. That is amazing. <laughs> Borat doesn't count. <laughs> um, so... They went to Nashville, and the job was to record a single, which is a cover of Kenny Rogers' Friends During the Day, Lovers at Night. No, that's not what it's called. Red Sky at Night, Shepherd's Delight. But um, can you Google Kenny Rogers' Westlife cover? <laughs> All right. Um, so they're going to record this single, then they're going to perform it live in a saloon in Nashville. Music City, they call Nashville. Did you know that? No. No. Country It's music like the home city. of country music, though. It's it? like Brackets yeah. Country, yeah. Music City. Um, Brian McFadden didn't go he was missing because he was having a baby with Kerry Katona this is 2003 remember he went solo in 2004 and Westlife is still performing today that is a bad decision <laughs> Westlife are shit though aren't they yeah, I'm going yeah. public with my Westlife hate <laughs> no don't do it <laughs> yeah so carry on yeah. so, so the biggest um, they've got the people recording their single are like the biggest names in um, country music production and immediately they're like they're really hard on them and their biggest fear was that they're going to have massive egos and they're going to be like pissing around and not really listening Westlife's biggest issue was they've never until to this day until the day of this documentary this day 17 years ago yeah <laughs> hadn't recorded a song with a live band they've always recorded over a, recorded over a track so they couldn't hear themselves think basically and so they really struggled with it. Um, and their biggest issue was adopting a country tone. So you're both singers. Sing the word do in your normal voice. Do. Liam? Do. Now country it. Do. <laughs> Is that good? I don't yeah. know. Do. 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 That's it. Oh, mine's a stoner vibe. Do. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's do. Do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now, There's so, different levels of country, I think, aren't yeah. there? Yeah, this is kind of love song country. Yeah. Um, can you sing an Irish boy band, do, Liam? Do. Is it that like that? <laughs> that did sound like Ronan Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. So try Irish boy band, do, and then phase into country, do. Do. So this is their biggest issue, is that they, they kept reverting to the boy band, Jew. It's not that different. Maybe um, I'm just not very it good. It sounds different. <laughs> it sounds different when they're doing it. So, But they, they kind of overcome it. Um, their next job was to... Um, they kind of nailed the song, and it's quite funny. Everyone was like, Shane is great, but they didn't mention any of the others. And they kept saying how great Shane was, who's the dark-haired one, and he's like the lead singer, basically. And then, then their egos start coming into play. They miss um, a radio appearance almost they start pissing around in the um the country dressing shop where they got on a bike. zip wire <laughs> pissing. <laughs> um and then this is going back to the stalls they go to see a choreographer to learn line dancing um and during their live performance they're meant to do a bit of line dancing 
And she says, this is what I want you to do. And it's something that I think the three of us could do. Right, because line dancing isn't that hard, I don't think, really, is it? Like, and they just all went, cut the mics, cut the cameras. They had a 20-minute discussion, and they come back saying, they're not going to do the line dancing. <laughs> and it ended up, the choreography was just tapping their toe on the right in time to the music, thumbs in their belts, swaying. <laughs> and then, change foot tapping. And that was it. That's all they did. And then they walked backwards five paces and walked forwards five paces. And that was it. And then... So the, it's called Can Westlife Cut It? During the live performance, they said, I think that went all right. We got 80% of the song right. And they forgot all the choreography, which was just foot tapping. <laughs> so, so Westlife couldn't cut it. So could Westlife cut it, Peter? Is that your question? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what he asked as well. <laughs> Can Peter cut it, Carl? Well, firstly, I just want to um, return to Westlife quickly because they did say that they learned something from this experience. They said, we're really going to take, this is four years into their careers, we're going to take something back from this. And um, it was a Kenny Rogers song that they covered. It was released. Oh, good. Because yeah. I was Googling Kenny Loggins. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Footloose they covered. It turns out they did. They did do a Footloose cover. Did you they? carry on. Did they actually? Yeah, yeah apparently. Well. Oh. Um, <laughs> so they covered a song by Kenny Rogers and they definitely did take something from this experience because um, before 2003, 20% of their songs were covers and after it, 49% were covers. So they decided actually singing other people's songs is an easier way of doing things. It's, it seems a little bit like the real thing they should have learned was that if they want to make it, then they need to work hard and not just say they're not going to do things. Yeah. What was the reason for them not doing the dancing? They, just, they were like, we can't do that. We're not doing that. And they, they didn't want it, right? And then the, the, the narrator, Lisa Tarbuck, which is actually really good because she said um, in her little um, description of the, that moment, as, um, they, think it, they thought it would affect their image. So maybe they can't dance, which is what the stalls are for. Like, mm. at all. It's got to be, isn't it? Yeah. How hard is it to teach someone line dancing, though? It's not, like, I, I don't mean to offend anyone. It's not the most complicated dance in the world, is it's, it? It's, quite, it's a funny clip, which I might show you later. It's all on YouTube, by the way. Um, can Westlife cut it? Um, no, they can't. Um, but my the the point for you, Peter, is that I don't know really. It could like you could be Westlife and do really shit, but <laughs> still, but you could still go on to uh, be super successful with fifty five million records sold, even though you're a bit shit. So stick at it. Maybe maybe Westlife, when they were worrying about their image, they should have been listening to a classic song from nineteen eighty eight by an artist named. Bobby McFerrin. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Talking about Don't Worry, Be Happy. Um, fun fact about this song is that it's entirely a cappella. Uh, all of the instruments, I'm doing inverted commas on a podcast again, I need to stop doing mm. that, are just Bobby McFerrin making noises. Mm. It's quite fun listening to it once you know that, because it's quite obvious. Yeah, I don't think I've ever thought about it. Like, it's always that kind of, that song is always kind of background music, isn't it? Mm. You don't go oh, you know what I'm going to listen to today? Don't worry, be happy. So next time I'll be listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, rec I recommend it. It's a, I really like the song. I think it's a nice one. Apparently the phrase, don't worry, be happy, was attributed to an Indian spiritual master named Meher Baba, who uh, he had quite a few followers from the 1920s. On, on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, he, he kind of communicated to his followers... He basically believed that he was God, but not in an egocentric way. <laughs> he believed, God, but I don't want to make a big deal of it. <laughs> he believed that every soul was God 
And oh, okay. the journey of life was basically realizing that you are God so that you could get out of the cycle of birth and death and rebirth. Oh, okay. So once you realize, oh, actually, I am God, then you will end up going to heaven or wherever God is. I'm not Does sure. this apply to all animals or just humans? Uh, he didn't say. But there's a reason why he didn't say. It's quite impressive he communicated anything at all, actually, because in July 1925, he took a vow of silence and didn't say a word for the rest of his life. And he died in 1969, so it's quite a long vow of silence. Mm. Um, but back to the song. <laughs> <laughs> so you're starting a new job, um, and there are a lot of worries and anxiety. And kind of going back to what I was saying before, and Bobby McFerrin backs me up here. He says, when you worry, your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down. So don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> Be happy now. See, that rhymes. It That's does what rhyme. I'm after. Yeah. Yeah. It's much better than your last when one. When you're worried... You will frown. I'm doing Morrissey covers now. <laughs> Get out, Morrissey. Right, we don't like you here. I think I think I could be a Morrissey cover band. I think yeah. I think I think on you my could. own. In one fact, of those one man band <laughs> setups. Walking along the street, drum once on my front. Once we've set up a Patreon, that could be one of the rewards. God Aaron's dear. Morrissey cover album. Just that and dick pics. <laughs> but have you got something to say, Aaron? <laughs> you got something to say? Just say it. <laughs> um, I have, yeah. I've got more examples if you want to hear. Um, not authors' previous jobs, but people who thought they could be authors. So these are people who are famous for something else. And they decided that they could be an author one day. So these people went into new jobs fearlessly, Peter. Just like you should be doing. Macaulay Culkin wrote a memoir, which has a long title. Let me begin it. Junior, or Oscar de la Mancha, The Wembling Warrior. And the people I like the least, not a novel, in brackets, a written project from the normal, well-adjusted, and no, I don't have issues with my father, mind of junior, meaning me. <laughs> That's the title of his memoir. <laughs> now, I couldn't find a copy to buy it because I actually wanted to read it because of the ridiculous title. But it's got good reviews on Goodreads. Uh, so another example, none of Katie Price's novels. You know Katie Price? Jordan. 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 Otherwise known as. I didn't know uh, she had novels. She's written over nine novels. None of them have less than four stars on Amazon. Did you do written in inverted commas? So, so yeah, they're ghost written. Uh, so you might be thinking, because they're ghost written, well, that's fine, but I can't be getting someone to ghost write my new job for me. So how does that help? Well, let me tell you, this has got nothing to do with books, but there was a bloke in the US who subcontracted his... his own job to a Chinese company in 2013. Let me read from the BBC News article for you. A security check on a US company has reportedly revealed one of its staff was outsourcing his work to China. The software developer in his 40s is thought to have spent his work days surfing the web, watching cat videos on YouTube and browsing Reddit and eBay. He reportedly paid just a fifth of his six-figure salary to a company based in Shenyang to do his job. Wow. Yeah, did you hear about this at the time? Did not. Did they do the job well? Well, they must have done because he got away with it for ages. He physically FedExed his RSA security token to China so that the third-party contractor could log in under his credentials. And evidence suggested that he had the same scam going across multiple companies in his area. I was going to say the security thing is bad, but up to that point I was like, is this just fair game? <laughs> I think there's probably something in your contract when you are a contractor saying... You've I'm got not going to subcontract this work. <laughs> yeah. So he probably broke the law either way. But 
So I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying, you know, someone's done it. So Go And my it. last example of someone who thought they could be an author was O.J. Simpson. You might remember that O.J. Simpson was put on trial for the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman and was found not guilty in 1995. In 2007, a book was published called If I Did It by O.J. Simpson. And it was about how he would have done it if he had done it. So, you know, he was not only trying to be an author, but also imagining being a murderer, which must have been quite a leap. How many people did that book go through? How many opportunities were there for someone to say, this is a bad idea? (laughs) Self-published by O.J. Simpson. (laughs) Well, it was actually ghostwritten again by Pablo Fengfez. Um, And uh, to your point, Liam, Simpson's former manager, Norman Pardo, said that he told OJ Simpson not to do it, I think. Um, And he said that OJ Simpson had been paid just to put his name to it and that he had no involvement in the writing whatsoever. Um, But you would say that, wouldn't you? But the ghostwriter (laughs) said it's based on extensive discussions with Simpson. (laughs) It sounds like one of those books that you'd get at the counter of Waterstones. Joe, like the Brexit (laughs) parody books and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah, if I did it. Uh, So however it came to be and whoever it had to go through to come into existence, the fact remains that OJ's name is on it. And actually, rights to the book were awarded to the Goldman family of Ron Goldman, one of the victims, by a Florida bankruptcy court. So they um, funded the repo, like a new edition of it where the if is tiny. <laughs> and it just says, <laughs> that if is I did it that by O.J. Simpson. With a big picture of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, let those be encouraging tales for you about people who <laughs> decided to become authors and, you know, made a good job of it. So... Um, the, the film that sprung to mind immediately is uh, Devil Wears Prada, 2006, direct, directed by David Frankel. So that's about um, Anne Hathaway gets a job with Meryl Streep, Miranda Priestley is her character name, as, who is editor of Runway Magazine, which is basically Vogue. And it's like a dream job, but you get treated like shit by Meryl Streep. That's the theme. And Anne Hathaway is an aspiring journalist who wants to be a proper journalist and is doing his job for her CV, essentially. And she kind of, as the film goes along, um, abandons her own morals to do well at this job because you need to. And she climbs over Emily Blunt, who's called Emily in the film, who was going to Paris, but is no longer going to Paris. (laughs) Spoilers. Anne Hathaway is going to Paris. Um, And so basically, um, Andy, Anne Hathaway, goes to Paris. She realises Meryl Streep is a total bitch. Walks out on her, ends up getting a good job because the CV helped her. Turns out at the end of the film that Mel Street recommended her for the job that she got. So, like the moral kind of implications are, she was really wrong for treating her staff like shit, but actually she's a good person. I don't know. <laughs> and incidentally, we're three episodes in. That's my second Mel Street movie I've covered. Mamma yeah. Mia, and now Devil Wears Prada. Your thing is going to be Meryl Street. Yeah, Sophie's Choice next week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it sounds like we're coming to an end of the last problem. Has anyone got any wrap-up points? Liam might have had another song because I've no, kind of jumped in. I've, I've, I've got nothing. 
So uh, what is our advice to Peter? What are we saying? Oh, no, we didn't need advice, did we? we it was just encouragement. encouragement. The encouragement yeah. is... Don't forget to believe in yourself. Yeah, believe in yourself. For that's the Paris. place to start. And I say, hey. What a wonderful time today. You can learn to work and play. <laughs> and get along with each other. Not you, Morrissey. <laughs> okay, so that's all we've got time for today. Before we wrap up, uh, yeah. I just wanted to draw people's attention to our Spotify playlist. Uh, which we've been compiling for each episode. Just search for Agony Art Soundtrack on Spotify and you'll find one for each episode. Other music streaming services are available. <laughs> but <laughs> no. please sponsor us, Spotify. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'll put the link in the episode notes and there's a blog post for every episode as well, which we should probably mention <laughs> in, at some point. Uh, and I'll put a link to that as well where you can find all of the films, books link to everything we've mentioned so that you don't have to remember it because none of us are going to remember it So, <laughs> uh, and with that, that is all the time we have for today so if you've got a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts that's at Agony Art Podcast or by emailing problems at agonyartpodcast.com I'd like to thank our resident Agony Aunts for their contributions. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Carl. Thank you. Thank you all. And thank you at home for listening. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Morrissey. <laughs> we'll be back next week with more problems to stumble through and more entertainment for you to check out. Goodbye. Bye. But I'd suggest keep it light because their advice can be shite and they won't be held liable. Oh no, not at all, not here at Agony Art.